0: This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 76. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. Hello, Kel. I'm your host, Kelly Hurst.
1: And this is Brett Hurst.
0: And we are marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. I cannot wait. Yay. To get to
1: the next level. Have you
0: taken a sip of Coke Zero so we've got some energy for the episode ahead? Don't drink soft
1: drinks anymore.
0: (laughs) That's true. I forgot about that, Your Honor. A new kick. Soft drinks. That's right. Well, before we jump in, uh, sometimes we have a little tip of the day that we like to kick off um, with a book or a resource or a quote of some kind. And today, I would like to recommend a book by doctors Henry Cloud and John Townsend called "Boundaries in Marriage." Ooh,
1: that's a that's a classic.
0: It is a classic. The boundaries whole series is a classic by these two therapists. And um, I remember reading the Boundaries book, not in marriage, but just the Boundaries book, probably in the mid to late 90s. And it really gave me a lot of great insight of how to set personal boundaries in relationships. And so a lot of the information that we're going to be talking about today and in the next couple of episodes are taken from that book. And so I want to make sure we kind of give them credit and also recommend the title.
1: So that, that, that's like a major league tip.
0: It's a very major league tip, for sure.
1: Like the whole episode's about the tip.
0: <laughs> exactly. Right. And so today's episode is called Boundaries Within Marriage. And I want to make a distinction here because I think, like, Brett, we've talked before on episodes about setting boundaries for your marriage, mm-hmm. like, like you know, setting up um, uh, ideas where you're not putting yourself in temptation's way, you know, to keep your marriage strong. More and like
1: guardrails. Exactly. Safety type stuff. Yeah. yeah,
0: And so those are more like boundaries to protect your marriage from the outside. Right. But this topic is boundaries within your marriage. So healthy personal boundaries for the two of you in your marriage relationship. So I wanted to just kind of make that distinction because it is a little bit different.
1: Thank you for being so uh, distinctive.
0: Distinct. (laughs) So I wanted to say, okay, Brett, if you step on my foot most likely I'm going to say, ouch, uh, at least, at least
1: you may say something else,
0: right? If you do it time and time again, I will eventually tell you to stop because you're hurting my foot. Okay. I am telling you that your actions are hurting me and that you need to stop stepping on my foot.
1: Like I tell the dog to not step on my foot.
0: Exactly. Uh, I may even tell you what I'm going to do to avoid being stepped on. If you don't stop. So at that point I have set a don't step on my foot boundary.
1: You've been clear in marking that that's a boundary.
0: That's exactly right. Okay. Now, notice that my actions are not really aimed at changing you, mm-hmm. but rather in protecting my foot. Okay. Which and, I can respect. And not only protecting my foot but protecting our relationship, right? Okay. So the uh, so you would have to ultimately decide whether you're going to alter your behavior
1: mm-hmm, because that's my choice you're right. saying right you have
0: the right to decide but at least i've warned you and i know what i'm going to do to protect myself
1: okay okay I'm, I'm with so you that's that a far. very
0: very simplistic way of sort of introducing us to what we're going to be kind of unpacking today one thing i want to say and i think this was really important from this book Boundaries in Marriage is this that boundaries are about you They're not really about your spouse. And I think we really need to adopt that idea Hmm. because here's something they mention in the book. They say, you know, when you build a fence around your yard, you don't build it so that you can figure out the boundaries of your neighbor's yard.
1: Right. right, You
0: do it so you you don't dictate to him how he is to behave.
1: Because that's his yard.
0: Right. You build it around your own yard so that you can maintain control of what happens to your own property. Makes sense. Well, that's how personal boundaries work, too. You can't really control how your spouse speaks to you, for example.
1: This is so good because so many people think that that's what they're going to accomplish.
0: Right. But... You can control how you behave when your spouse speaks to you in a certain way. Right. So, for example, if they start yelling at you or calling you names, you can hang up the phone or you can leave the room or you can tell them you won't listen to them until they can speak respectfully toward you or whatever the boundary is. I
1: am choosing to honor this boundary until... It's honored.
0: <laughs> right. And so I, I just think before we even start to kind of dig into this idea of personal boundaries, we have to understand that we're not all we're not trying to change the other person. Right. We're trying to set up respectful ways of honoring and protecting ourselves.
1: Well, it's similar to when we teach our premarital couples and newlyweds and they're just setting out into their married life, and we say, hey, one of the beauties about this is Under God's care, you get to build this thing. Right. And you get to say, this is what our marriage is going to be about. This is what our new family is going to be about. And we're going to build it around these values and so forth. So boundaries are just another... um, It's another element uh, that you have some uh, choice over.
0: Right. And I, I think they're essential... To learn how to give and receive love well. And I think they're essential even for spiritual growth.
1: Talking about boundaries.
0: Yeah, I'm talking about boundaries and for a healthy, balanced relationship. Right. Um, And what
1: what we're not saying is that boundaries are uh, ways of copping out of responsibility.
0: No, not at all. In fact, when we start unpacking some of the laws around boundaries that are mentioned in this book, Boundaries in Marriage, mm-hmm. we'll discover that personal responsibility is an enormous piece mm-hmm. of boundaries. Right. Um, but
1: and, and even before we get into it, would you not also agree that boundaries are a way to help your marriage uh, have a more loving environment?
0: I absolutely think that's true because I think when we don't set healthy boundaries mm-hmm. a we can walk all over each other and sometimes not even know we're hurting each other. Right. I I've had a I had a good therapist friend of mine we were talking about the boundaries idea and he said to me he said you know I'm not I'm not sure I really buy into the boundaries idea because he said, "I feel like it's all about self-protection.
1: Mm-hmm. So and it's self-centered. It's selfish. yeah,
0: like and and so and when we move into marriage, and you and I, Brett, are all, often saying this to couples and on this podcast, that you know the idea is to get less self-protective. You know, hopefully, the the more we move into marriage, the longer we've been married, and the." Closer we grow to each other, we want couples to get more transparent, yeah, more vulnerable, vulnerable and all of that, and practice real intimacy. And that you know takes some not that takes some careful not self protecting, if I'm saying that right. Mm -hmm. Um, So I understood where that friend of mine was coming from, but I also say I've never met a couple, the healthiest couples I can think of or name that didn't practice boundaries with each other. Right, I think. I think really the idea can is really kind of God established. It, it's kind, to me, it's kind of like the laws of physics or the law of gravity. We can try to ignore them and act like we don't need them, right. But I think they're just part of a loving and respectful relationship. Sure.
1: Well, just like God's a God of order, life has certain structures and order that that, that help us, not, not restrict us.
0: Yeah. And as the late Stephen Covey said, principles like these are like lighthouses. We don't break them. We only break ourselves on them when we try to act like they don't exist. I like
1: lighthouses.
0: I love lighthouses. Um, Let's go so, on a lighthouse tour sometime. <laughs> well, we saw one in when we were in New England. We yeah, saw a few of them. we saw several. Okay, so according to Cloud and Townsend, the authors of Boundaries and Marriage, a key part of understanding why boundaries are necessary is first understanding this concept, and this is going to sound like such a duh thing for people who are married, but it's the concept of this, you are not me, you are Say not that me. Again. You I am are not, not you. me. I am not you. And you are not me. Your spouse is not an extension of you and you are not an extension of your spouse.
1: You are not me.
0: When we think in this way, when we think that we're kind of we don't know where I end and you begin, we begin to think that our spouse exists exclusively to meet our needs.
1: But you are not me.
0: And love starts to break down when we don't see each other as autonomous people but instead of uh, instead just objects of our own needs okay so the idea so you're here
1: about your warning against. In uh, codependency, and
0: yeah, and having the idea here is that having good boundaries is to be separate enough from the other person that you can allow him or her to have their own experience without having to react to yours. Okay, and so this idea of having a clear stance of separateness allows you not to react at everything that your spouse does or says, but instead to care and empathize.
1: Okay, so let me. Push back, devil's advocate, because there's some people out there that I think would immediately say, Well, what about the one flesh, you know, passage in Genesis and quoted several times in scripture, you know, that, that husband and wife become one flesh.
0: Right. Which I love that passage so by the way. I. We teach that in our married life prep class.
1: Absolutely.
0: I think at what you would say, Brett, and you're, you're the pastor here, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I think theologically speaking, that idea is more of a spiritual oneness than it is a practical oneness. And what I mean by that is, if we are literally one flesh, mm-hmm. then why do there need to be two people who get married in the first place? You know what I'm saying? Like, right. why do there need to be two people?
1: Well, you and I see different doctors, for instance, mm-hmm. because we are two people.
0: Exactly. It's yeah. it's our it's our autonomy and our separateness that allows us to be able to correct each other when the other person is wrong or behaving badly. Right. It allows us to lift each other up when the other person maybe is not feeling well or not doing well.
1: It's how you care for one another.
0: Yeah, and that has to come from our autonomy. That's what contributes to our growth, not just as individuals, but ultimately relationally.
1: So what I'm getting so far is you are not me.
0: You are not me. I am not you. Yeah, we need to crochet that on a pillow. So having said all this, we're going to jump into this book actually comes up with 10 fundamental laws that tell us what we need to do or consider if we want our relationships to operate within those healthy boundaries that they talked about. We're not going to tackle all 10 in this episode. We're just going to get through a couple. But um, I think this these are really great um, laws, so to speak, to just really sort of dig into and unpack. i think i've I've really learned a lot, just getting ready for this episode. Good. So the first law that Cloud and Townsend talk about is the law of sowing and reaping, ok. And so in the book, they include this example of a husband who was always late for dinner with his wife and his kids.
1: That would not be me.
0: You, no, it would not be you, definitely. Never so late for dinner. So, in the book, the story, <laughs> <laughs> call me whatever you want, just don't call me late for dinner. His wife tried everything to make him come home early. She tried nagging him, she tried cajoling, you know, putting pressure on him, guilting him, whatever. Nothing worked. If anything, he only got more defensive. And put out with her and told her she was overreacting, yada, yada, yada. All right. So after a while, she decides, you know what? This isn't working. I'm gonna change not only my actions, but my attitude. So she decided she was just gonna be less angry and more understanding about mm-hmm. him coming home late. Right. And she w- was deciding to set a boundary that if he was going to be late, she would go ahead and have dinner with the kids, and she'd pack up his food and put it in the fridge. Hey, wait a minute. So she told her husband about her plan. Of course, he was not happy hearing this you know, idea about him maybe having to reheat dinner and so forth. But she told him, you know, you're welcome to rearrange your schedule and eat with the family whenever you want to.
1: And let me guess.
0: So after a few days of eating microwaved meals, he started coming home on time. Now,
1: because if dinner is pizza, <laughs> you definitely don't want a microwaved pizza.
0: That's for sure. Now, you might argue that he changed his behavior because his wife was being nicer to him. Maybe that's true. Or maybe he just hated having to reheat his dinner and, you know, eat late by himself, or it could be a combination of both. The idea here is that whatever the motivation, setting the boundary worked out nicely for them. How about because that? she wasn't angry anymore, and she could sit down and eat with the kids when dinner was ready. And eventually, he started coming home more often, and they started having family time.
1: That sounds like the law of cause and effect.
0: Cause and effect or sowing and reaping, whichever one we want to call it. But here's the thing. The law of cause and effect Is probably one of the most basic laws in life. I mean, I remember when we were raising our kids, you know, we would often try to have consequences be as natural as possible. Mm -hmm. So if our kids were late for school, We tried to be okay. Well, you'll get a demerit or an infraction or whatever. You know, we tried not to necessarily pile on from home because
1: they were going to get punished.
0: Yeah, or if our son was late to baseball practice and he didn't get to play in the game that weekend, then that that was the natural—that's life consequence. You know, so the law of cause and effect is so important. This law of sowing and reaping when we're talking about boundaries, because it says that none of our actions will be without consequences. Whatever we do, whatever we do will have some impact on our life and possibly on the life of others. And it's not a threat or a punishment for misbehavior. It's just simply how things are.
1: Right. So you don't, you can resist the temptation to manipulate or try to control things more or put pressure on one another. Uh, well, none of that stuff works anyway.
0: Right. And so even if we're talking about just our own individual lives, if we, we could use the example of if we overeat and don't exercise, we'll have to fight being overweight.
1: Cause and effect.
0: If we overspend, we'll have to fight debt and creditors. If we drive drunk, we'll risk injuring others and, and ourselves. If we act selfish and unloving, people will start to withdraw from us, maybe even avoid us. You know, on the other hand, if we eat right and exercise regularly, we might have a chance at a healthy lifestyle. If we live within our financial means, we might have money to pay bills and put in the bank, you know, so it's a it's a negative consequence and a positive consequence that there's just There's just things that happen as a result of the way we behave, and we really can't ignore that.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: Yeah. So occasionally our spouse will behave in an unkind or irresponsible way, and when that happens, we need to try to allow the law of sowing and reaping to be a natural consequence. As a married partner, it's not our job to rescue our mate when they are behaving irresponsibly. Hmm. Marriage, I think in particular, marriage was designed to be a place not only of love, but also of growth. Mm -hmm. Brett, you and I say all the time that marriage is the greatest laboratory for spiritual formation ever. There's not a relationship you'll have.
1: If you're married. If you're married. The only exception would be is if you're not called to be married and you're single, then that's the... Right. Laboratory. Then you have
0: other opportunities for right. that. But if exactly. you are a married person, your marriage is the most challenging relationship you'll have, and Without it's the doubt. one that will will require you to grow probably mm. more than any other. Mature. Um, so when you find yourself in a perpetual pattern of stepping in and rescuing your spouse, let's say. Um, you know, you might be enabling him or her to continue act to act in an immature way without having to grow. Mm-hmm. And if you truly love your spouse, then you allow that person to experience the effect of their irresponsibility or their unkindness or whatever it is.
1: So what you're saying is if you really love someone, you will allow some of these elements of cause and effect to take
0: place.: Exactly. And it might sound cruel, but it's actually a loving thing to do. Right. So we're moving on from the law of sowing and reaping. We're going to number two, which is the law of responsibility. Intriguing. So a proper understanding of responsibility is vital for a growing relationship within a marriage. When we marry, we become responsible for loving our spouse deeply and for caring for him or her as for no one else. You know, we made special vows, special promises. Um, when we got married
1: for better, for worse, rich right. or poor, all that.
0: We care about how we affect our spouse and how we, and and we care about his or her welfare and feelings. Our responsibility to our spouse is higher than our responsibility to any other person. That includes our parents, our children, our friends, our boss. We are not married to any of those people. We're only married to our spouse.
1: Let's hope that's the case. <laughs> yeah. Right. But
0: problems can arise When our understanding of responsibility gets confused, and this is where we need to kind of unpack this law of responsibility, we are to love one another, not be one another, okay? So this kind of goes back to that idea of you are not me. We've got to have some autonomy and some separateness here. In other words, we can't feel the feelings of our spouses. We can't think the thoughts of our spouses. Mm -hmm. We can't grow for each other. Only they can. And likewise, they can't grow for us, only we can. You are not me. Exactly. We are responsible for ourselves, and others are responsible for themselves. Our, our friend Ken Schumann, who we actually have a podcast interview with, says, we're responsible to each other as married partners. We're not responsible for each other. Mm-hmm. So in other words, Brett, I'm responsible to you. I am responsible in these ways. I'm responsible for loving you. Oh, I'm responsible for being faithful to you. Please I'm responsible being faithful to me. for caring for you. Basically, all of the vows I promised about 30 years ago, coming mm-hmm. up in a couple of weeks. Um, but I am not responsible for how you think, mm-hmm. for how you feel. I'm not responsible for your actions. Basically, all the things I can't control anyway, and I'm, I'm not so, responsible for that.
1: I'm so glad to hear you say that. Because I remember in the early years of uh, our marriage... Let's
0: not play... When we,
1: when we, you, you who are not me, when you and you would have an argument for us, and you would even do my side of the argument.
0: Yeah, I could have the whole argument all by myself, and win by myself.
1: That's right. Well, how could you lose? <laughs> self versus self.
0: What do you think about that self idea? has Self
1: has to come out.
0: On, what do you think about the idea of... We're responsible to each other, but not for each other. Do you think that's liberating? I think oh, it yeah, is. Oh
1: yeah, totally, absolutely.
0: I remember hearing Ken say that for the first time and going, "Okay, that totally makes sense."
1: Right, and it doesn't. Uh, this is not a boundary that takes you off the hook. It doesn't mean you're not accountable to the person. You absolutely are mm-hmm. accountable, responsible, so forth. But uh, like you're saying, the distinctive. To each other, not for each other. You know, I can only control what I can control. I can love you with all my heart. So Mm -hmm. that's what I try to do. Mm -hmm. But I can't make you make good choices or Mm -mm. keep you from making bad choices. Or uh, I can't even make you love me. Yeah. You know, all I can do is love you. That's what I can control.
0: I think that's a Bonnie Wright song. Yeah, and One of my faves, yes, actually. that's right. So I think it begs the question, how does this play out in real life? Um, I think it means that we must support each other in carrying the heavy burdens of life. This right. goes to Galatians 6:2 and and Galatians 6:5. It's broken out for us. Health problems, emotional crises, financial burdens, raising children, all of the workload that's necessary to keep the fa- the family running. Those are things that we have to help each other with. Those are that that's being responsible to each other, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But the Bible also talks about things that are our own responsibility. So, taking responsibility for my spouse's feelings, you know, my spouse's attitudes and values, mm-hmm. or how my um, how my husband deals with little difficulties in life, I- I'm not really responsible for that because that's his daily load.
1: Right, and well, that's
0: from Galatians six five.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can't do my thinking for me, and you can't. Uh, you can 't take the right actions for me i 'm mm-hmm. the only one who can do that
0: mm-hmm. but we can set healthy boundaries around those sure. things, right. but we can 't really control them or be responsible for them right so I think the law of responsibility also means that we we have to refuse to rescue or enable immature or even sinful behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, we should never take on the responsibility for destructive or sinful behavior of our spouse, because that would only reinforce the pattern. Yeah, that's right? true. Very true. So a question that you and I, Brett, often ask ourselves, whether we're talking about each other or whether we're talking about how we parent or or even how we love, like, friends and extended family. It's the question, what's the most loving thing I can do in this situation? Mm
1: -hmm. No matter what. And
0: sometimes it may seem like the most loving thing sounds even cruel, but if you think about it over the long haul, you know, if you're in it for the long game, um, sometimes setting a boundary might feel or sound hurtful, but over the long haul, it's something good. It's for the person's good.
1: Yeah. So it just gets back to that question. What's yeah. what's the most loving thing I can do?
0: Yeah. So for example, if your spouse has a problem with overspending, is it better to cancel a credit card than to let the debt pile up and both of you have to declare bankruptcy? Mm-hmm. You know. Well, it may sound kind of hurtful to cancel someone's credit card, right. but that's a short-term thing. Right. Or if your husband has a drinking problem and insists on drink, on driving even when he's drunk, mm-hmm. is it better to call the police and have his license taken away or let him drive anyway and kill someone in an accident?
1: Yeah, I've walked through that with my late father.
0: Yeah, when he was having, uh, you know, late in life Alzheimer's issues and so forth. Yeah. Sometimes the most loving thing to do is not always pain free. Mm-hmm. In fact, sometimes it's painful, mm-hmm. yeah. but it is loving. So we have to just kind of weigh those things out, I think, in the law of responsibility.
1: That is very good, Cal. Well,
0: the third one, and I think we'll end with this one, is the law of power. Power. Yeah, I mean, quite a few people are more concerned with changing their spouse than with changing their own behavior. I think that's kind of human nature. It's kind of like when
1: two people fight and there's a certain adrenaline that kicks in and both of you want to win the argument.
0: Yeah, and you're no longer really caring for the relationship. You just want to win.
1: You're not even caring about what you're arguing about. Yeah, exactly. You just you're going for the win.
0: Yeah. I think it's human nature to believe that the solution to our marriage problem lies in fixing our spouse so that we can be more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But this does not work. Nope. We simply do not have the power to make other people change. You were saying this earlier, Brett. Mm-hmm. We have no power over their attitudes or their actions. We can't make our spouse grow up. We can't stop our spouse from exhibiting a troublesome character flaw. We can't force him or her to refrain from yelling at us or initiate a deep conversation with us.
1: And I can't force you to put the cap back on the milk.
0: That is so true, because after 30 years, you have tried to force me. <laughs>
1: Everything I've tried is to no avail,
0: and uh, yeah, and there are things can't I can't say me, about you. You
1: can't make me close the drawer with the silverware
0: in it. Exactly. For some reason,
1: I will not close that door uh, drawer.
0: Um, yeah. So while the so while the law of responsibility tells us that we're not responsible for our spouse's feelings and attitudes and yada yada, the law of power says we don't have power over these things anyway. We can't change our spouse into the person we would like him or her to be simply because we don't have control over them.
1: Now, do you think people like hearing this?
0: No. I think it's really challenging to hear that. Because, and we're going to get to this in the next episode, we can influence our spouse. Sure. But if we're talking about just changing them, we don't have that power. Right. We don't have that capability. In fact, nowhere in the Bible will you find something called other control you'll only find self-control. Hmm, right. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit.
1: Controlling others is not a fruit of the Controlling Spirit. Controlling
0: others is not a fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. Right. So unless we admit our powerlessness over everything outside our own boundaries, we hmm. cannot expect to make much progress in our marriage.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes
0: total sense. Yeah, so despite your inab- but despite your inability to make your spouse change, you do have the power to influence him or her. Um, but I think there's a trick to this, and it requires that you change first.
1: No, you change.
0: No, it has to be It has to be you. I was just kidding. It requires the individual to change first, so you can motivate your, ma- your mate to step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Well, I think for- more times than not, a change in our spouse will happen if that change begins in us.
1: Right. Well, and I think as your marriage matures, I mean, you and I have... Gotten to the point where, in virtually all things, we want to give each other permission to motivate each other. Right. Is that correct? Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. Except some, on that milk carton thing.
0: And so, and so we don't have milk cartons. We have milk, milk jugs.
1: Milk jugs, sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to get way too uh, yeah, in the mire here. I'm moving on. But yeah, but that that does take, I think, a while. For, I don't know that most couples in the early years of their marriage are mature enough necessarily they just haven't lived long enough together in their marriage to get that wow my husband or my my wife can actually help me grow and i think there's just a natural pushback to that there's a natural selfishness that comes with that yeah. some you know hopefully most of us as we get older we kind of outgrow that and realize that a, we don't have the power to change each other, and yeah, you know what? I need to work on me anyway.
1: Or we just get so old we,
0: <laughs> we don't we, care we anymore. P- we pick our
1: battles very carefully.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's a good stopping pois- point for this episode, and we'll pick up the rest of the laws in the next couple of episodes. So,
1: the law of sowing and reaping, the law of responsibility, yep. and the law of power. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And they sound kind of theoretical, but I I, I think they're interesting. When you start to unpack them, they really make a lot of sense.
1: I totally agree. And that's great content. Good job.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Well, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at marriage to the You can also check out our website at homeencouragement.org. Also, we hope you'll follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you have a topic or question you'd like for us to discuss on the podcast, send us an email to the hearsts. That's h-u-r-s-t-s
1: I thought you had forgotten how to spell our name
0: (laughs) at homeencouragement.org and we'll do our best to get it on the air and we hope you'll share the love by rating this podcast on iTunes that helps us to have much more visibility and thanks to the recent comments that we received and the ratings uh, we really enjoy reading those nice comments. Well thanks for listening today and until next time remember healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.